Gremlins was hailed as another E.T. It's not. It's in a different tradition. At the level of serious film criticism, it's a meditation on the myths in our movies. Christmas, families, monsters, retail stores, movies, boogeymen. At the level of pop movie going, it's a sophisticated, witty B-movie in which the monsters are devouring not only the defenseless town, but decades of defenseless cliches. But don't go if you still believe in Santa Claus. I'm Katie Toole. And I'm Sean Reedy. This is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about small town charm, responsibility, and strict dietary restrictions. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if anyone knows that life, it's me. <laughs> I was going to say, you thought you had it bad. At least right. you can eat it anytime you want without turning it into slime. Right? I feel like I'd rather just um, keel over than turn into a, a demonic creature. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like my reaction's at least fair. <laughs> Can I also say, just like small confession, I just almost like literally had to catch myself at the last second not to say, hey, gays and ghouls, I'm genre. <laughs> 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 Which I am most definitely not. <laughs> no, no. No, no. You are, in fact, Katie Tool. I am. <laughs> I don't know. Don't know why I had a slight, like, a slight dissociative episode just now, but very tired. <laughs> <laughs> tonight is a very exciting night because tonight we are talking about Gremlins. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite movies from childhood. Right. Like, it is. It's so good. It just makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. I do have. Okay. So I haven't acknowledged this with you at all. I have one, and we can we can talk about it a little bit later, but I have okay. one big problem with the movie. Just what? one. Okay. It involves the rules. Okay. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. <laughs> They're like, don't feed them after midnight. When do you start feeding them? <laughs> <laughs> What's the it other is- cutoff time there? Right. In which time zone does time zone matter right like just so you know how time works it is technically always after midnight unless it's midnight we're gonna let it all hang out yeah right like at all times at all times (laughs) (laughs) and like at what yes at what point do you stop at what point do you stop it being after midnight as opposed to like during the day right and like, so like, is that is what it, you mean? They like can between only between midnight and six six a.m. Like, is it right. just in the middle of the night? And again, we're talking time zones. Like, the Mogwai were ostensibly from China. Oh right. <laughs> which I believe, fun fact, does not recognize time zones. It is the same time in all of China all the time, which is hilarious because it's huge. Oh, huh, so like, interesting. It's like, it's like dark at like one p.m. In some places, because... That's fine. It's the same time everywhere. But, important question. They live in suburban Illinois, I believe? Sure. 
<laughs> I think, that sounds I think right. it's supposed to be like outside Chicago. Yeah. Um, or somewhere. I mean, they live some. They live in some little, you know, picturesque midwestern town. Right. So is it after midnight? Central time. Right. U.S. Standard. Central time or Eastern? Eastern, like. Right. Yeah. Or is it after midnight? You know, standard China time. Right. How do you know? Just midnight. You got midnight. <laughs> you got midnight. You got all the information you needed. <laughs> <laughs> they really did not have any of the information they needed. No. They were giving. They were given shockingly little information mm-hmm. upon being handed this potentially very dangerous creature. Yep. Incredibly cute and cuddly creature. <laughs> but definitely very dangerous. Yeah. Um, so. Wendy's dog's name is Gizmo, as you know. I don't know. I don't know if the the listening audiences know. My fiance's dog's name is Gizmo, and the day that I met her, when she told me that, in my I was like, like, did you just think that was a cute name, or did you name him after the Mogwai? And she was like, no, I named him after the Mogwai. He kind of looks like that, right? Because he's a shit. Right. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I was like, oh, we're gonna get along. <laughs> You literally have a gizmo right behind your head right now. I do. There are lots of gizmos in this house because people buy her gizmos because of the dog. So yes, there is a, there is, there is a gizmo right behind me and there are, there are many, many more. And then there's the one that's barking down in the basement, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The the rules don't make any sense whatsoever. The creature itself is biologically impossible, right? Like it's a fairy tale right no absolutely that's and that's why i'm like i know that like i'm nitpicking something that's like clearly i mean yeah for sure (laughs) but like at least at least make the rules logical if you're gonna have rules right rules this consequential yeah where they are like the driving plot line like the driver of the entire plot of the movie right make them a little bit more sensical (laughs) right can I just state right now a fact that I learned that I did not know that I find absolutely hilarious? Yes. Gizmo was voiced by Howie Mandel. Yes, he sure was. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yep. Good old Howie. Like, you you literally could have, I could have been on on, you know, one of his game shows and that could have been the million dollar question and I would have never in a million years... Mm-hmm. been able to answer that that was how he <laughs> made his voice i i i mean well because he does i i consistently forget that he is a voice actor as well right yeah i mean the the whole like game show host phase of his life is actually relatively recent like he was an yes. actor a comedian you know long mm-hmm. before that but it just it feels so like you know It feels so, like, integral to just who he is that he's, like, you know, a, a, a judge on America's Got Talent now, right? And right. he's got, like, all the game shows. Like, but that's, yeah, that's actually, a, like, a new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is, he's well known for his voice acting. It's just been a while. Like, his bigger, his bigger voice acting roles, I feel like, were in, like, the ni- 80s and 90s. Yeah, for sure. 
but yeah i i forget and i and then when i was like looking up some more information about the or no when i was when i watched it i saw his name pop up on the credits and i was Mm -hmm. like what Mm -hmm. and then uh and and i was like oh yeah that's right he did voice gizmo didn't he Mm -hmm. (laughs) so random i love it yep so yeah how howie mandel was uh was gizmo this movie was written by Joe... No, it wasn't. It was definitely not written by Joe Dante. Katie. <laughs> was written by Chris Columbus. Mm-hmm. Directed by Joe Dante. Executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Which feels like just the ultimate trifecta of 80s oh, yeah. monster movies. And like 80s mm-hmm. movies, you know, that are at all like fantasy or sci-fi based right oh yeah chris columbus and joe dante and steven spielberg made a movie Mm -hmm. about little green monsters of course they did of course they did that makes perfect sense yeah (laughs) you you mean for the first time they just did for the first time (laughs) right they didn't just make every movie (laughs) felt like it for a while right uh and also it released on june 8th 1984 Joining a long tradition of movies that are very clearly Christmas-themed movies that mm-hmm. released nowhere near Christmas. Totally fine. But, unlike a lot of Christmas-themed movies that release in the summer uh, and then like completely bomb because who wants to watch a Christmas movie in June, uh, Gremlins was extremely well-received. Mm-hmm. Critically, by audiences, and at the box office, it made, like, I think $200 million and was the third highest grossing film of the year in 1984, which Mm -hmm. is, like, the year that Ghostbusters came out. Right. In fact, I believe Ghostbusters came out the same weekend. Oh, that was a choice. Can you imagine that double feature? You're like, do 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 go into the theater, and I'm going to watch Gremlins and Ghostbusters, <laughs> like dreams, right? Only I mean, dream, like, only I can only dream of that happening. You know, neither neither of us were born, unfortunately. No, you were farther away than I was, but neither of us were actually born. We were not here. We were not here. Um, Gremlins was also one of the films that inspired the PG-13 rating. Yes. Because it was it was the center of this, and remember this was 1984, right? 1984 meaning post-Star Wars, meaning there was merchandise. Like, there's a reason there's a gizmo doll behind me. Mm-hmm. And that is because gizmo things are widely available. Mm-hmm. And they always have been. And, you know, so parents went to the store and they saw this, like, extremely cute, cuddly little creature. And they're like, oh, I'm going to take my kids to see this movie. And then, you know, halfway through their kids are screaming and they got pissed. And you can't blame them, really. (laughs) And Spielberg, who had also had this controversy over um, the second Indiana Jones movie, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Actually, himself went to the MPAA and was like, we need another rating. Like, it can't be either, like, 
there is something in between being okay for all people and being just okay for adults. Like there is, there is an in-between there. Yeah. And that there... was the PG-13 rating. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was smart. I mean, like we, PG-13 is, I, I think a very reasonable rating to have. Like. Yes. Right. Yeah. The, the whole jump from PG to R is just like, what? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of gray in there, <laughs> which which is why um, I feel like. Hold on. I'm gonna not eat my words real quick. Yes, which is why Poltergeist is mm. rated PG. Poltergeist and clearly should... is rated PG. <laughs> you didn't know this? Yes, Poltergeist is a PG this. rated movie. Yep, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Like, very scary. Uh-huh. Can you imagine taking a child to see a movie about a child who gets kidnapped by ghosts? Nope. And gets sucked into a closet and there's like a satanic, there's a satanic clown doll <laughs> and a tree that attacks them. Like Nightmares. Nightmares. Skeletons in their swimming pool. Like, there's there's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing that, like... I mean, a normal small child. I watched Poltergeist when I was a small child, but then right. a normal small child would not find absolutely terrifying about that movie. Yes. Like, they could watch five minutes of it before it was too much. Yeah, I was... I know, when I first found out that Poltergeist was PG, I was like, what? But that makes sense what? that PG-13 wasn't a thing. Right, it was before this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was... What was that? 81? 82. 82. Right, mm-hmm. okay. So it was, like, um, just before. We haven't done Poltergeist, have we? Um, surprisingly enough, no. We have not. There are just so many. Mm-hmm. It's on there. It's on that list. <laughs> it's on that list. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Not tonight, though, because tonight we're doing Gremlins. Right. But before we do that, it is... Yes. Shocktail Hour! Tonight's Shocktail is called The Gizmo, of course. Mm-hmm. And... We wanted it to taste a little bit like a Christmas cookie because Gremlins is a Christmas movie, like mm-hmm. unequivocally. Like I feel like there's no debate here. It's not like a Die Hard situation oh, where yeah, it's no. like it just takes place at Christmas. No, it like Christmas is a integral part of the plot. It's how he acquires the Mogwai. Right. It's literally a um, Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally a Christmas gift. I mean, I guess it could have been a birthday gift, and they could have, they could have, right? But they didn't. So, but they didn't. It's Christmas movie. But they didn't. So it's a Christmas movie. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to take uh, two ounces of vanilla vodka, two ounces of amaretto, two ounces of uh, Irish cream, and two ounces of the milk of your choice. Uh, I actually think, like, unfortunately, poor Sean can't drink this anyway because of the Baileys, but... I think actually that oat milk would go better than regular milk yeah. in this. Um, but, you know, if you want it creamier, then you would probably use regular milk. Right. Um, you're going to take chocolate sauce and caramel sauce and drizzle along the side of your glass. Um, and then take a little more caramel sauce to rim the glass with salt, right? So it's kind of like a sweet and salty thing. Going mm-hmm. for like a chocolate caramel shortbread cookie type dealy. Um, 
shake up the cocktail ingredients, pour it into that pretty, pretty little chocolate caramel swirl glass, and you've got yourself a drink that is uh, reminiscent of a magua. Get it. And tastes like Christmas. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Oh. Delicious. Delicious. Deviously. Yum. Deviously delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite things, by the way, is when the gremlins just say yum. <laughs> when they're like, yum. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The the some of the li- like the little little phrases that the gremlins say throughout the entire movie is just goofy, and I love it. Oh, I know. They're like, they're the best. Mm-hmm. So like, we were actually talking about this. <laughs> I was actually at at my mom's house, and I was like, oh, I have to leave because we're recording Gremlins, so I need to go watch Gremlins. So it's like fresh in my mind for a recording. Right. And my mm-hmm. mom goes. I could watch Gremlins. It's <laughs> like, okay, fine, let's watch Gremlins. So I watched it with my mom. <laughs> and we were talking about it and like and I think, you know, the the quote at the top of the show was was from the uh, Roger Ebert review, the somewhat glowing review that Roger Ebert yes. gave this movie. And um, he talks about how it's just stuffed full of tropes. Like, left, right, and sideways. Mm-hmm. And it really is. And it actually combines several different horror tropes. And I think that's part of what makes it feel unique. Even though once you start to, like, tease it apart, it's all tropey. But, like, the way that they're combined feels fresh, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. It it it, it does have a different f- overall feel to it. Like... Everything about, I feel like everything about the movie itself, like, I feel like this is basically what you said, but like everything about the movie is very familiar, but it's not, it's familiar, but it is, it is fresh. Right. Like, so we were talking about, it and it's like the, the sort of main structure of the story is actually much more akin to a zombie movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, um... We, we were watching the scene where Billy's mother just, like, in rapid su- succession, just takes four of them out. Like, right. boom, boom, boom. <laughs> like, bye, you're gone. <laughs> and we were like, A, hero. Like, badass bitch. Right. Don't mess. <laughs> Don't mess with Mrs. Peltzer. Mm-mm. But B, like, it shows you that an individual gremlin is relatively easy to take care of. In the same way that in a lot of zombie movies, if there's only one zombie, you have a very good chance of surviving. Mm-hmm. As long as you know, as long as you know it's a zombie and you don't let it get close enough to bite you. Right. right. Mm-hmm. In this, you have, you have like, there, there's no trickery about whether or not this thing is dangerous. It's like, it's throwing things at you from across the room and it's tiny and green and has claws and teeth. Right. <laughs> The reason that zombies and zombie movies are usually, like, too much for the protagonist to handle is because there are so many of them. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's that's the structure here. It's like, one gremlin, you're good. You're fine. Like, just, you know, shoot it. Right. Like, it's not... 
shoot it, stab it, throw it in the microwave, like whatever you need to do, but it's it's going to be relatively easy to kill. It's just when there are 500 of them. Right, then it's a little bit different. And when the authorities don't believe him, which also is like what always like delays the response in zombie movies is like yep. the, the authorities or the authorities or even the protagonists not being willing to accept what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's just funny because like it is a monster movie, but in most monster movies, there's a monster and they're giant. Yes. They're giant or they're very strong or, or there's, there's some kind of, there's some kind of imbalance against the like human protagonists that it's very difficult for them to fight it. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, that's, that's not really the case. If you're taking gremlins at the individual level, they're very small. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're not, you know, they're not really any stronger than your average adult human. Right? No. Like, th- yeah, they're similar strength, I would say. Yeah, like, they seem to fight them. They seem to fight off the individual ones easily. It's just, like, A, they can hide because they're tiny. Uh-huh. B, they use a lot of weapons. <laughs> yep. And C, there are 500 of them. Yes. So. And they are pretty fast. Like, they're small and they're fast, so, like, they have a little bit of an advantage they can they can more easily escape but you're right like they're still not like they don't have super strength or anything like that like they're they are and they're they're easy to kill and they're easy to they're easy to handle but it Mm -hmm. is once it's like a horde of them that it's like okay (laughs) this is now officially out of control yes so our story begins in chinatown Mm mm-hmm which is slightly racist, and like we do, we do need to acknowledge that like the, the monster coming from Chinatown is 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 pretty racist. Yeah, Mogwai actually is an actual Chinese word and is an actual Chinese concept, and it it basically means like evil spirit or devil. So like if he'd been able to, it's it's the classic like you know Americans getting Chinese tattoos that mean chicken nugget or whatever, right? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like if he had known. Chinese, and they said that's called a mogwai. He would have been like, "What? Why is it called that?" Also, I still want it, but <laughs> I mean, I still want it. Like, you right. know, I'm not. I I absolutely would would take that little guy home and right. just you know, be a little bit more weary about like. Right. Well, yeah, because I know the reason for the rules. So, right. so. uh bumbling struggling inventor mm-hmm. which was like a very interesting character for them to decide his father should be right very very random it doesn't really it doesn't it doesn't really have any relevance to the story the fact no. that he's like a like a you know basically a failed inventor like he can't none of his inventions ever work he's just kind of like a right you know he's just he's just kind of like a but he's, he's you know, a, a good husband and a good father, and, like, he's a good man. He's just not very good at what he does, but he's very right. passionate about it. He's very passionate. So, Which, I was expecting them to tie his, like, at least one, if not, like, if at least the bathroom buddy, if anything. Like, I was mm-hmm. expecting at least one of his inventions to be, like, specifically tied to, like, defeating the the gremlins, but, like... 
Nope. So that's actually when when his wife is fighting them off in the kitchen. The 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 first one in like the yes. mixing thing, whatever that thing is. I I do think that was supposed to be one of his inventions. Yes. But one would imagine one would imagine that yes, the bathroom buddy not coming given how much they talked about it, the bathroom right. buddy not coming in to play at any point is is kind of strange. Like mm-hmm. they made this whole big I'm wondering actually if there was a deleted scene or something because they made this whole big thing about the shaving cream. Right. I was like, maybe right, they would like, use that to, like, blind it or something. like. Right, yeah. You know, just, like, shoot it with it and, like, disorient it, right? Like, Right. No, no. No, he just... I mean, that is the reason that he goes to the convention. Right. And that's the reason that he's not in the town the whole time. And, uh... But, like, even, like... Because he, he had, you know, he took the dog with him, too. He did. And, like, the dog was back and the dog didn't even do anything, really. Like... No, the doctor's just like kind of watching. He's like, "What the yeah. fuck?" He's like, "All right, I found where where he is, but that's it." Right, I found him. That, my job's over. Your turn <laughs> now. Like, okay, it's fine. Sounds good. Um, but yes, Randall Peltzer is in Chinatown, and he's looking for a Christmas gift for his son Billy, mm-hmm. who is of somewhat indeterminate age, but somewhere in his late twe- late teens or early twenties. Yeah, yeah, it seems like he's like kind of kind of sort of fresh like, out of high school. Maybe maybe 2 years of college kind of a thing. So. But he's somewhere around there. He's yeah. he's somewhere between out of high school for sure. Yeah. Cuz he has a day job. Mm-hmm. But somewhere between like 18 and 22. Let's call him there. Yeah. Uh and he goes into the shop of Mr. Wing. Mm-hmm. Because of course that's his name. And actually, I think that in the original, he's not given a name. Yeah, I think in the, yeah, I think he's just called grandfather. Like. Yeah, they like call him grandfather. And then when he shows up at the end, does he call, he actually, at the end, he might address him by name. Yeah, I can't remember. But it's like a, it's like a split second, like when you miss it. Mm -hmm. Um. Who runs a, sh- a shop of, like, wonderful curiosities, right? That mm-hmm. is in a basement and sort of hidden away. So his grandson actually goes and, like, pulls people off the street mm-hmm. to bring them to the shop. Because the shop is failing. And the grandson is very concerned that he and his grandfather are not going to have an income, right? Right. So... While Randall is there, he finds... Even though you don't see it yet, you can only hear him. Mm-hmm. An adorable, fuzzy creature, unlike any he's ever seen before, that looks something like a cross between a puppy and Yoda. <laughs> yep. And uh, he wants to take it home. He wants mm-hmm. this is this is the gift. I mean, no, no other kid in America is going to get, is going to get this thing. Right. Right. <laughs> the old man refuses to sell it to him. Mm-hmm. Cause he says that it comes with too much responsibility. Mm-hmm. The grandson, again, very concerned about their financial situation because he offers a hundred dollars. He offers a hundred dollars, which was a hell of a lot of money in 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, the grandson who is like, are you kidding me? just straight up 
takes the mogwai and gives it to the guy and takes the money and like shoves him out the door and is yep. like, okay, bye. Before doing so, though, he tells him the three very important rules. Again, these are the rules that are both the primary driver of the plot and make no sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because this 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 movie is about you know little little green monsters. So like it's you know we're suspending our disbelief. Right. But the boy also does not does not specify the consequences of these rules at all. Nope. Because you don't need to know. Like, you just need to know the rules. You don't need to know why the rules... Just don't do it. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, so... He does tell him that the sunlight will kill him. Right. He's like, so don't do that. Because apparently they're also vampires. Sure. Mm-hmm. And... Then he's like, oh, and don't get them wet. And whatever you do, do not feed them after midnight. No further explanation given. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> now... Sure. In fairness, if he had explained, it would have spoiled the entire movie. True. Very true. Like, when these things started happening, you would have known what was going to happen to the Mogwai, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but still, <laughs> I feel like he was kind of setting them up for failure there. Yeah. Just a little bit. Um, so he takes it home to his son. Mm-hmm. His son who, in the meantime, there's also this, like, there's also this, like, probably unnecessary but someone de- somewhat delightful subplot of like the the town crone coming after his dog like the yep. wicked witch of the west right <laughs> like or not the wicked well i mean you know like margaret hamilton's human character whose name escapes me at the moment which is funny because i know that movie inside out <laughs> what is her name when she's a human like when she's oh. in kansas what is her name uh oh no I don't remember. It doesn't matter. That, like, this character is clearly modeled yes. on her. Oh, on yeah. Margaret Hamilton's, mm-hmm. on, on Margaret Hamilton's Kansas analog for Witch, Wicked Witch of the West and the Wizard of Oz, right? right? Mm-hmm. She also owns half the town, so she's also, like, an analog for the villain in It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. And because she owns half the town, she's kind of a Scrooge, she hates Christmas. She's a cat lady, so like, and who hates dogs, and especially Billy's dog, Barney. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, fun fact, that dog's real name was Mushroom, which is adorable. That dog, <laughs> I saw that in the credits too. I just I like, about Mushroom? died. <laughs> Why did they keep that his name? Why didn't you just call him that? Just call him That's Mushroom. Something. Just call him Mushroom. <laughs> mushroom. Come here, you little shroomy. <laughs> In fairness, it is inexplicable that Billy takes his dog to his job at a bank every day. Right. Like, not exactly the most dog-friendly workplace. Like, no. it's not like he works in a shop, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, no, he works at a bank. And he, like, ties the dog up underneath his desk. Right. But, yes, yeah, so we, we are introduced to Billy. We are introduced to his mother. And we are introduced to his coworker and friend, who he most definitely has a crush on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate, played by Phoebe Cates. Oh, we should say so. Uh, Randall is played by. Sorry, I need to. What's his name? All oh, right, 
Randall's played by Hoyt Axton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Galligan plays Billy. Phoebe mm-hmm. Cates plays uh, Kate, who is actually like, this film is just chock full of like a legendary roster of character actors. Mm-hmm. Like Hoyt Axton, Dick Miller, um, even uh, Kaye Luke, who plays mm-hmm. Mr. Wayne. And I apologize if I fucked that up because it's entirely a possibility. Um, Phoebe Cates, fun fact, because you know I have to mention him, mention him if I ever can, is married to Kevin Klein and has been since 1989. Sure has been. <laughs> like, that's a long Hollywood marriage right there. Yeah, it's, you don't see him every day, that's for sure. Right. Uh, and of course she was known for, like, before this, she was known for, like, Fast Time at Ridgemont High and... You know, she was always like the, the very desired girl. And she is in this too. She's just a very different character. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're friends and they kind of have like a budding romance. Mrs. Deagle, who is the crown, the town crone is mad because the dog, she's claiming the dog broke her like snowman sculpture, Mm -hmm. which this is one of my favorite parts of the movie because the head of that snowman sculpture that she brings in is so big. Imagine how big the entire sculpture must have been. Uh, yeah, no, that, that snowman had to have been massive. Massive. <laughs> like the idea that a, the idea that a, a like normal sized dog, I mean, it's just, he's like a, he's like, you know, I mean, he's just a mutt, but he's like the size of what a golden retriever probably yeah. that like a normal sized dog would be able to knock that thing down. Right. Like, Okay. <laughs> But, um, but she threatens to call the, you know, call the, um, animal control man on him. Mm -hmm. And then she takes it a step further and she threatens to just straight up kill the dog herself. Yes. But not without first torturing him. Uh Uh-huh. In front of everybody. Like, she says this in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, no fear. Because this is just, like, how rich and powerful she is. That she can just get away with anything. And, like, he's the one that gets in trouble. <laughs> right. Well, because the because the dog retaliates and, like, jumps over the counter at her. <laughs> right, which is hilarious. Like, he unties his rope. Yes. Like, himself. <laughs> <laughs> he unties his rope and just, like mows that bitch down right he's like i'll show you torture (laughs) he's like motherfucker say something (laughs) (laughs) come at me (laughs) yeah here we are i've got teeth what do you got (laughs) um so billy takes the dog home they're sort of talking about you know this situation and what to do about this situation when the dad comes home with the mogwai. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time that we actually see Gizmo fully. Right. As he's opening the Christmas present. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what the fuck is this? It's amazing, but what is it? I don't understand. Right. <laughs> this is not a puppy. Like, <laughs> what is this? Nope. Uh, the dad reiterates the rules. Mm-hmm. Says that he has named him Gizmo. Yes. Because he's an inventor, of course, so that's, of course, what he's named him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, doesn't, like, neither his wife nor his son ask for clarification about why these rules exist. I mean, to their, I will give them, the though, 
like he really didn't like the the rules got broken on accident like right well or through sabotage right right like, right it it wasn't him it's right. it's not like he was being willy-nilly or being not careful it just happened anyway right um because he's sort of like he's taking he's taking very good care of gizmo like mm-hmm. he loves him and then uh a little neighborhood boy shows up mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and asks to see his new pet and that little neighbor boy is an absolute infantile Corey feldman he sure is <laughs> which i think is now our third movie that features Corey feldman <laughs> sure is <laughs> this like this this year yes <laughs> like in the last three months yeah in the last five months yeah whoops yeah if that <laughs> yep and there i'm sure there will be more mm-hmm. um so another small detail that really only makes sense that really is only relevant because it, it pertains to how like the first rule gets broken Mm-hmm. right is that billy's an artist right yes. he, he likes to draw he likes to paint mm-hmm. he wants to be uh he wants to do cartoons for a living which is funny because that's what joe dante wanted to do when he was a kid so i wonder oh, really? if chris columbus wrote that into the script originally or if they added that detail as sort of a nod to to joe dante i mean either which way it, it i mean it worked with the plot <laughs> right um that's awesome though so he's sitting there and he's showing him, he's showing Gizmo to, to Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman accidentally uh, knocks over his paint water, mm-hmm. which if if you are out there an artist, you know, like, just how unruly paint water can be. <laughs> yep. I've ended up covered in paint water more times than I can count. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Gizmo ends up covered in paint water and something somewhat unexpected happens. <laughs> Which is that he uh, reproduces. Yeah. Five little fur balls pop out of his back mm-hmm. and turn into more mogwai. Like, that's a real, that's, that's, that's a very concerning way to reproduce. <laughs> right? And it looks painful. Yes. I mean, I guess, I guess. The, you know, I guess the way that humans reproduce, actually, when it comes right down to it, like the actual delivery of the child is painful. So, yes, um, maybe it's just that's just the way it is. But um, <laughs> my favorite part about this scene is that Billy is sitting there like in complete and utter shock and awe. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe this is happening right now. Corey Feldman is like reading a comic book. And yeah, he's, he's like, like, yeah, cool. that's cool. I'm like, how are you not terrified? You're a child. Like, how are you not either fascinated or terrified or both by what's happening, right? Well, and I'm like, sir, not five seconds ago, did you ask, where can I get one of these? And and then, and then suddenly, (laughs) here they are. Take one. Here they are. (laughs) And you're like, cool, that's cool. (laughs) Cool. I'm going to be over here reading my comic book. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, okay. Um, All right, Corey. (laughs) So. Billy takes Gizmo to show this, like, crazy thing that happened to his uh, former science teacher, mm-hmm. Mr. Hansen. Mm-hmm. And he takes a drop of water 
And, like, he seems to have also figured out that, like, the number of offspring is based on how much water gets on them. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, it was, like, a mason jar full of water that spilled on Gizmo and he got five, right? He has an right. eyedropper and he drops it on Gizmo and he gets one. Mm-hmm. And so the science teacher keeps the, the clone, right? Keeps the new one. To run blood tests on, which I'm not sure you would have the equipment necessary to do that in a high school science classroom, but that's fine. <laughs> not relevant, but. <laughs> they would absolutely have those, those types of, uh, that type of equipment. Right. He's got a centrifuge. He's got. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then he goes back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randall is actually excited by this mm-hmm. because he's like, oh man, everybody's going to want one of these. Mm-hmm. And we have like the soul, like it's, it's so easy. These things reproduced in 25 seconds. We could have hundreds of these in no time and sell them like hotcakes. So mm-hmm. he's like, he's seeing dollar signs left, right and sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he promptly goes off to an inventor's convention. Right. And he takes the dog so that um, Mrs. Deagle cannot catch him and kill him. Right. <laughs> He's like, we're going to give her some time to cool down. It's like, not sure she's going <laughs> to. Probably not. <laughs> um, and, and Billy just sort of like, you know, settles in. He asks Kate out on a date. Yep. So, like, you know, things are looking up there. And uh, he goes home to relax. And he has noticed that the other Mogwai seem wilder than Gizmo. Yes. Whereas Gizmo is very, like, chill and well-behaved. The others are kind of, like, you know, very mischievous and, and kind of loud and... Mm-hmm. And that there's one that has a little mohawk, which is also very cute, that he names Stripe. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he seems to be the leader. So he's kind of got his himself a little, like, punk gang. Yes. <laughs> a fuzzy punk gang. <laughs> That's what that, like, and it was 1984, right? So, like, you you, you put forth, like, the imagery of, of like, hooligans, right? And of right. course the leader has a mohawk. Like, of course. <laughs> of course he <laughs> It is at this point that things begin to escalate very quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because what Stripe does is he chews through the, the plug, through the, like, wire for the plug of Billy's alarm clock. hmm So he's sitting there, and he's like, they're whining, and they're whining, and they're whining for food, right? And he's like, I already fed you, and they keep whining. And he's like, he looks at the clock and it's like, you know, 1120. And he's like, okay, well, it's not after midnight yet. I'll go get you a snack. And he brings back an entire plate of fried chicken. Like, <laughs> where, where'd he get that? Um, I mean, he gets it out of the fridge, but why was there that much fried chicken in the fridge? Just um, sitting in the fridge. Well, because I feel like, the, like if you have fried chicken, that's like the minimum amount that you should be making because fried chicken is delicious. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but why wasn't it all eaten by the humans? Um, How was that that much left over? That's the question. 
that's a good question. I don't know. So anyway, he takes it back upstairs. He gives it. He gives it to the Magwai. Right. They start chowing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gizmo refuses it. Mm-hmm. Because he knows. Yep. In the morning, when Billy wakes up, he has five cocoons. Like, oh. Where the Magwai used to be. <laughs> I love when he's just like, Mom, could you come up here for a second? <laughs> and she's like, what are these? And he's like, I think they're the Magwai. <laughs> so that's cool. Like, that's, all right. They're just transforming. Uh, it's fine. And then, <laughs> it's fine. Like, these are just, like, mammalian type creatures. Like, right awfully mammalian looking creatures who are somehow also have the properties of insects. Yes. But can also like produce asexually like amoeba. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's okay. We love it. <laughs> At the same time, almost exactly the same time across town in the high school teacher's laboratory, mm-hmm. his mogwai steals his sandwich mm-hmm. and eats. So he also has a cocoon. So now they're even more intrigued and they're like, you know, he's like studying this stuff. He's taking samples of the goo that's all over it because, of course, there's goo all over it. Right. And they begin to hatch. (laughs) And what emerges is no longer cute and fuzzy and tiny. No. Nope. (laughs) It is a... Slightly larger, though still not huge. Green, slimy, reptilian monster. Yeah, they're just kind of like, here, let me just combine all of the creatures. All of the creatures. (laughs) All of the creatures, all of their... (laughs) All of their ways of reproducing and growing and just... Here's... here's Every, uh... Every category of living thing on the planet. Yep. You're like, that's what a mogwai is. <laughs> All of them. So the first one that shows the sign of trouble is actually the one that Mr. Hansen has. Mm-hmm. Because it breaks out of its cage. Right. Or it breaks out of the box. He has, it, he has the cocoon in. Mm-hmm. And it hides. And then it straight up kills him. Yep. Like... Mr. Hansen's the first to go. And, like, he's also the only black character. Because, of course, he is. Because it was 1984. <laughs> he was the first to go. Um, but, yeah, you just sort of somewhat unceremoniously. He's just, like, he kind of, like, reaches his hand in and he's, like, ow. And then the next thing is Billy's finding him dead. Yep. Yeah, but you don't, don't really like, know. Oh. How, how, like, how did he even die? Like, I know that how there was a needle... What's that? He did. There was a needle, like, there was a needle, like, sticking out of him, but what was in that needle? Right. Like, just, because he had used that needle to draw the blood out of the Mogwai, and, like, the Mogwai was pissed about that, but, like. There was, there wouldn't have been anything in the needle. What did he have that he could kill him? Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, there were chemicals all over the place. I mean, maybe he could have put anything in that needle, right? So. Right. True. But. So at this point, Billy's like, oh, fuck. He goes home and calls his mother because his mother is in the house with five of those cocoons. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and of course, right as he is telling her that she needs to get out of the house, a slimy, clawed hand reaches up and cuts the phone line. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's still sort of sitting there looking at the cocoons, which have now hatched, of course, and like looking confused. When Do You Hear What I Hear starts playing on the record player downstairs. Yep. <laughs> like the use of music in this movie. Oh, it's The use silly. of the Christmas music in this, mu- in this mm-hmm. movie is like perfect. <laughs> and so she goes downstairs and she finds the record playing, right? And mm-hmm. she is attacked by the gremlins and proceeds to fuck them up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mama right. ain't taking no shit. Right? Like, do not mess with Lynn Peltzer. No. Because she is not at all hesitant to kill these things. Nope. Like, in vicious ways. Mm -hmm. The first one I think we already mentioned, she... So there were four of them, right? Mm -hmm. Because Stripe was hiding. Right. So there were four of them. One of them... Uh... Oh, actually, two of them were hiding. Stripe was hiding, and then there was another one hiding in the Christmas tree. Right. Which is a great visual. Oh, yeah. When the Christmas tree lights go out mm-hmm. and all you see is the red glowing eyes in the Christmas tree. That's a great yep. visual. Um, but she she runs one of them through one of her husband's machines, and it, like, decapitates him, essentially. Like, pulverizes his head. Mm-hmm. She stabs another one with a kitchen knife just to death. The third one, and this is probably one of the most famous moments in the movie, the third one she shoves into the microwave and turns it on high, and he explodes. Yep. Totally fine for children. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> at this point, it's probably when the parents were going, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> We've messed up. And if not there, then the next moment, because the next moment is after that, like, glorious visual of the gremlin and the Christmas tree, and he attacks her. Billy runs in and decapitates it. His head flies into the fire and you can see like his head burning in the fireplace. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Like with flames shooting out of his eye sockets. So like, yeah, not at all, not at all family friendly. No. Um, So she's okay. She's a little banged up. She's obviously like very confused and very frightened because this is not something you expect to encounter ever. Right. Uh, but Stripe escapes. Mm-hmm. They don't get the fifth one because he's the smart one. And so uh, Billy takes his mother to the neighbor's house and then he goes to find Stripe. Mm-hmm. After he finds Gizmo, who like the gremlins were fucking with. Oh, yeah. They had him taped to a dartboard. They threw him down the laundry chute. <laughs> But, you know, Billy finds him and he kind of rescues him and he puts him in his backpack and he's kind of just hanging out with him for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he follows Stripe to the YMCA, which is the worst possible place for him to go. Oh, yeah. Because there's a pool. <laughs> and poor Billy tries to catch him before it happens, but he manages to jump into the pool. Now, remember, the amount of water seems to matter. So an entire swimming pool full... <laughs> make a a few more than starts (laughs) right the pool starts to boil billy runs which was smart Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
maybe could have tried to barricade the door. That might have been smart. But, like, really just getting the fuck out of there was priority number one, and I don't blame him. Yeah. And he runs to the police, and the police are like, you're drunk. Like, what? No. No. No, no. (laughs) Even after... Even after he shows them Gizmo, which is like a creature they've never seen before, they still right. don't believe any of the rest of his story. They are not even gonna, like, they're not even gonna go like check. No, they're like, no, 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 you're just drunk. But it is at this point that they get a call. They start getting calls from around town. Mm-hmm. Because you actually see, and like, I mean, obviously, obviously, like we're gonna talk about this, but um. This is, again, in the era of, like, glorious practical effects. And these Mm -hmm. gremlins are gorgeous. And some of them are puppets and some of them are animatronic. I think, I think during the scene where they all, like, emerge out of the shadows and they're, like, marching down the street. Mm -hmm. I think they're, like, stop motion animation. Like, like little claymation sort of creatures. Um, But you do see that. Like, you see Stripe walk into the, like, light of a street light. And then you see just hundreds of gremlins. So now there are hundreds of them and they start wreaking havoc on the entire town. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're getting calls and we have a couple of notable attacks. First is against the Futtermans, which yes. are uh, Dick Miller plays Murray Futterman, who mm-hmm. is like, again, just legendary character actor. Um, this is also the second movie that we've done with him in it too. It is in fact. Yeah. Chopping ball. Yep. <laughs> um, chopping ball fucking love chopping mall um now mr futterman is kind of like the town drunk but everyone loves him like he's you know like the sort of like beloved town drunk yes um but he's this like crotchety old man and he's like a world war ii vet and he's actually the one that gives them the name the gremlins Mm-hmm. Because I guess I guess we should I guess we should do a little a little bit of a backtrack. Beginning in World War One, actually, continuing into World War Two, there was this sort of like joking urban legend among pilots in the Royal Air Force. Because remember, in World War One, planes were new, mm-hmm. like. The airplane, the functioning airplane was less than a decade old. Well, okay, a little bit more than a decade old when it was first used in battle. Right. Um, and so there would there would be a joke that there would be these, you know, when random weird things would go wrong with planes, there would be a joke that it, it was gremlins. It was mm-hmm. just these little creatures that, like, crawled in and, and sabotaged the machinery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raw Dahl actually wrote a book about it, which Joe Dante did read and does cite as like a, a an influence on the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mr. Futterman is again this kind of crotchety, like not even like old man, but like sort of late middle aged man, like maybe right. sixty, um, and. He's always ranting about, like, foreign cars. Like, Billy drives a Volkswagen Beetle, and he's like, foreign cars, right? 
Um, <laughs> every moment, every moment that he has, like every opportunity that he has to complain about foreign cars or foreign foreign anything, he's like he takes foreigners, it. like anything. Yes. Yeah, very very xenophobic man. Yes. Um, but he's he says that like when he's drunk, he talks about the gremlins and mm-hmm. how the reason his plow isn't working, it must be it must be the gremlins. The foreigners are putting the gremlins in it. Mm-hmm. Just like they did. Just like the Germans did during World War II. Right. Um, so then, when the gremlins attack him with his plow, and they drive it right through their house. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that you never actually see it, but like in the first movie, it is heavily implied that they die. Oh, yeah. Nobody ever says it out loud, and you don't see it. Like, you don't see them actually like get hit by the plow. Mm-hmm. But it's heavily implied that they die, and then they show up in the second movie. <laughs> yeah, and, like I, they're, <laughs> they're and they're fine. Yeah, like, I, and I I don't remember because I have not I've not watched the second one in a really long time. Um, do they acknowledge, like, what happened the first yes. time? <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> like, especially Mr. Futterman, he's like, "Oh, it's happening again." Like right. he 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 knows, and obviously obviously Kate and Billy do as well. Right. But um, yeah, when the Futtermans do show up, he's like, "Oh shit, they're <laughs> back!" Like so, he does like. Even though at the end of the movie it's like covered up. Right, like you hear the news report at the end of the movie that's like saying it was mass hysteria. Right. So it's covered up. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Futterman isn't isn't the kind of guy that would go along with that. Oh no! Like he he knew what happened, and and he probably told everyone. He probably told everyone he could when he was drunk, and no one believed because mm-hmm. he was drunk, right? Um, but yeah, th- so they get attacked with with his snowplow, and then Mrs. Deagle, the mean old lady, is also attacked. When they pose as carolers outside her house. Yep. <laughs> in order to gain entry. <laughs> and they sabotage her uh, staircase chairlift mm-hmm. to fling her out the window. <laughs> and I, I do think I do think that Mrs. Deagle actually dies. I think that I think you're supposed to I don't think they ever Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that too. Which is funny because <laughs> at this point this happens while the police are right in front of her house and they're like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I'm, like, right. I'm like, but you're, you're, you're the you're, police. You're the police. This is your job. <laughs> this, is, this is, this is why you got hired to do what but you yeah. do. Right. Well, I mean, but they're, they're these like, it's like a small town sheriff. Right. And his like bumbling deputy. Right. So they're like, they're very stereotypical of like the, the, the law enforcement that like, work in a place where there aren't any actual emergencies or crimes that exactly. happen. So they just like are complacent. And then when something does, like when shit does hit the fan, they have no idea what to do. Yep. So they're very much a trope in of, of them in and of themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the two main attacks. And then, and then obviously, you know, uh, Billy is attacked. Kate is attacked at the bar where she works and he mm-hmm. has to like pull her out of there. And they, they sort of, you know, run away and and hide and they have gizmo Mm -hmm. um and they they just sort of see the the gremlins kind of attacking everyone in Mm -hmm. town now like there's like 
the classic guy running down the street with one just like in his hair. Yep. He's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and then we and then we come to what is probably the the most darkly funny and like random scene of the movie, and that is when they're hiding and Kate tells Spilly about the night that her father died. Oh my god. Or the way that her father died. I... And it's like <laughs> it's so morbid. Yes. It's, it's so like completely irrelevant to the story. It has nothing to do with the story whatsoever. Nope. It's just like this extra moment of dark comedy. Like yes. I feel like now would be a great time to mention that Joe Dante studied essentially, like got his start working for Roger Corman. Oh. Oh yeah. And so when you when you think about how like this man learned the director of this film learned what he did. Mm-hmm. what he does from Roger Corman, everything in the film suddenly makes sense. Yep. It's like, this is the type of movie that Roger Corman would have made. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, she tells Billy that her father disappeared on Christmas Eve when she was a little girl and he didn't come back for, for several days. And so they assumed that he had left the family, which didn't make any sense because they had been happy. Mm-hmm. And then she because of course she's the one that like oh, first noticed oh. yes of course she was cold so she went to light a fire and she noticed a smell mm-hmm. the fire department came and opened up the chimney and her father was in there mm-hmm. dressed as santa claus he was trying to come down the chimney which in with all due respect to the man was an incredibly dumb idea oh yeah but apparently has actually that's actually happened. Mm-hmm. Where people have like gotten tried to come down the chimney like Santa and gotten stuck because like you can't really do that. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason there's a reason that like, you know, there's a reason that like, you know, Victorian era era chimney sweeps were like 6-year-old boys. Uh-huh. Cuz you <laughs> does, it like, does not fit in a human. You can't really fit down there. Yeah. No. It's, it's really go down there. Grown man. Doesn't doesn't help. Um but yes, yeah, so they, they pulled out her father. He had like slipped and broken his neck and was stuck in the chimney and was beginning to decompose. And that's what she could smell. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how she found out that Santa wasn't real. Right. Like, ooh, man, it's hit after hit for you, girl. I get yeah, it. Yeah, like trauma, 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 trauma. Like, yeah. of course you hate Christmas. And now this is happening. Well, that's that's how it comes up. She's like, I've always hated Christmas. And now this is just one more reason to hate Christmas. Because right. like, by this point, of the story, like when the actual gremlins are running amok, it is Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decide they need to go do something about the gremlins. Right. They walk back out and the town is like eerily quiet. Right. Like post-apocalyptic almost. Like mm-hmm. all the people are gone. Cars are abandoned in the middle of the street. But all the gremlins are also gone. And they're like, where did they go? And they follow their trail into a movie theater. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in the history of cinema is the gremlin singing the work song from Snow Oh <laughs> my god. It is so... Hi ho. Like, what's happening? <laughs> it's so random and it works so well. It does. It works so well. It's just mm-hmm. so funny. And it's... <laughs> and... When they're like spying in the little window, right? And and Kate's like, "What are they doing?" And Billy's like, "They're watching Snow White." 
<laughs> and they love it. <laughs> oh, man. So funny. Hi ho. Hi ho. And it's not even it's not even the singing, it's the synchronized like the Dancing. shot is so great because you get them silhou- you get them silhouetted against the screen, right? Because mm-hmm. it's shot from behind, and you get all of their like little ears like dancing in synchronization, <laughs> like I hope, I hope. But they are all in one place, and so they see that as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's take advantage of this right now, right? And here's the thing. Here's the thing about, and I mean, this isn't the case anymore, probably because most movies are are released digitally, so it's just like it's just a computer running the movie, right? Like at the at the movie theater. But back in the day, movie theater fires were a huge problem because film is like hella flammable, super flammable, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like occasionally, spontaneously combusts. Yep. Level of flammable. Yeah. And just burns a whole bunch of shit down. Yeah, especially like certain types of film. Like certain, yeah. certain, certain types of film are like it, like you can't have them in a room over like 50 degrees. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, I think it's, um, I feel like one of the ones that's really, really flammable, like the most flammable kind is I think silver nitrate film. I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I think that silver nitrate is used, is like literally used in explosives as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just a very volatile yeah. material. And then you put it in front of a hot light bulb. The logic is flawless, folks. To, to project it onto the screen. So, uh-huh. you know, recipe for success. Yes. But also for disaster. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we're going to burn this motherfucker down. And they do. <laughs> they blow it up. And they manage to get every single gremlin. Except for Stripe. Yep. Who has just happened to left the room. Mm-hmm. Or left the theater. To go across the street to the department store because he wants candy. <laughs> yum, yum. <laughs> yum, yum. Yum. <laughs> they do kind of talk like E.T. Like, I can see the... Yeah. <laughs> the like, in that review, I was surprised that people were, like, comparing it to E.T. Because, like, it's such a different vibe right. to E.T. But, like, I guess, like, you know, yes, the kid's older, but, like, kid finds creature shit goes down right like right. i mean i guess but but and they i guess they do kind of they do kind of talk like et mm-hmm. um but they do manage to spot spike not spike see now i'm doing it they do manage to spot stripe and so they run into the department store to stop him mm-hmm. and a chase ensues they're going all over the place right he's throwing shit at them or dropping shit on them he manages to take over every tv in the place which is hilarious and um yeah, was that a thing? Like, because I, I feel like I've seen that in other movies too, where like, it's a, it's a, like their TV sales area, and then there's a video camera that you can just like project, like all of a sudden you're projecting yourself on all of the TVs in the building. Like, I, what? <laughs> I think it must have been. I think it must have been a thing because you're right. It shows up again and again and again in yes. like 80s movie after 80s movie, not just horror. Right? But just, like, any random movie where, like, mm-hmm. somebody just puts themselves on all the TVs. Yes. <laughs> so I think it must have been a thing, like, that to sell, to sell like, camcorders, mm-hmm. they must have had them hooked up to, like, a bunch of TVs. <laughs> I don't I mean, know. But you're I, right. Well, I mean, it makes sense, too, because that, that way you can see, like, how the, how the picture would look, 
like how the picture looks on on all the different TVs and how the camcorder actually record. Like, yeah, no, makes sense. I get it. It makes sense, but like I I don't remember. And again, you know, I I don't really have any solid memories until like nineteen ninety ish. Right. But I don't remember ever seeing that setup <laughs> in a store. So maybe it only happened in the eighties. I don't know, but um. But he's attacking Kate. He's attacking Billy. He actually manages to, like, injure Billy a couple of different times. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he's shooting him. For some reason, he somehow found a crossbow in this Montgomery ward and is, like, <laughs> shooting him with, like, little darts out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you selling this Montgomery ward? Um, but it's at this point that Gizmo actually decides that he has had enough. Yes. He's like, okay, bitch, we're done. Mm-hmm. And so he gets in his little Barbie car, which is, again, one of the greatest images of all time. It is a bright pink Barbie convertible mm-hmm. that he is driving around the store. It's so adorable. And because he also notices that it's Dawn. Mm-hmm. So this is where it turns into a vampire movie, right? Because yes. now all he has to do to, is open the curtains. Mm-hmm. And Stripe is actually in the process of creating more gremlins because mm-hmm. he, he found a fountain. And so he's like getting himself wet in the fountain mm-hmm. when Gizmo opens the shade and he gets hit by the sunlight mm-hmm. and he melts in a way that is like hilariously reminiscent of the way the guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark melted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like this was just this was just like Spielberg's melting period where like he just needed something <laughs> somebody to melt like from from the eye sockets down yep. in every movie he did. But <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg classic. I just... mean, you do you, Steve. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> right, you melt all the people you want, sir. You melt all the people, the monsters. Yeah. It's a great effect. It's a great effect. It is. Like it, it works. Yeah, practical effects, man. I oh my god, they're just so good. They're so good, and can you imagine? Can you imagine having to pull off that effect? No. They had to build the creature, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then melt it. Uh huh. Like, I don't know. I wish I. I wish I knew. Well, you got to think like they probably had like different phases that the creature was in. Like they had to have different builds. Yeah, probably. To, like, get the the creature to melt properly and everything. But, yeah, that would be, right. like, the way that, that they went about doing it, it it just looks so cool. Yeah. And also terrifying. Like, right. not Well, and I also love it. It's just, it's just extremely 80s. Anytime, like, the water starts boiling and, like, the water is not only boiling, but for some reason also, like, glowing neon green and purple. Yeah. Like, it's so great. It's so great. It's so 80s and I love it so much. It's always smoking. Um, and always smoking. Yeah, they just like half the budget went to dry ice in this movie. Yep. yep. $11 million. Puppets and dry ice. That's all we got. Paid the actors five cents a piece. No, I'm kidding. I don't know what they paid them. But I'm sure it was more than that. Like I said, there were some actual like, you know, very respected character actors in this movie. Yes. Um. But yeah, and so now they've now they've def- they've defeated the gremlins. The town sort of 
it's now Christmas morning and everything's kind of fine, right? Mm-hmm. They go home, they, they treat their wounds, the town starts to clean up, the federal government swoops in and declares the whole thing an episode of mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. And, like, that people were basically doing these things to themselves. So, apparently, you know, Mrs. De- like, Mr. Futterman must have driven his own plow through his house and, like, Mrs. Deagle must have, you know, jumped out the window. Yeah, totally <laughs> Or logical. her, like... Yeah, or her thing just like randomly malfunction. malfunction. But yeah, they it's like an immediate cover up, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Mr. Wing shows up at their house mm-hmm. to collect Gizmo because, like, fair, <laughs> fair. Mm-hmm. But he has decided that they should no longer have him, and right. he has sort of found out. He really only knows where Gizmo went from the news reports. Right. Because his grandson snuck the Mogwai out of the store. So it's not like he knew where this guy lived, right? right? But he saw the news reports and he was like, oh, that sounds an awful lot like these monsters. I need to go get him. Mm-hmm. And it's so cute. It's so cute when he walks in and Gizmo's like, Baba! Right. Baba! <laughs> like he's so happy to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he, of course, like, roundly scolds. And again, rightly so. Although he should also scold his grandson for not giving them, like, uh, you know. Well, he should also scold his grandson just for stealing the Mogwai and selling uh, it behind right. his back. But, um, but he takes him away, mm-hmm. right? And the last, the last thing he kind of says is because uh, the way that you know, Gizmo wants to say goodbye to Billy and the way that they interact, like it's clear that they have become very close in these last few days that he had him. Mm-hmm. And the the old man is like, maybe someday you'll be ready. Right. And, and he'll be waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Like basically giving just the boy permission <laughs> to come and try to collect Gizmo at some point. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, and then he takes him away. And that's, mm-hmm. that's how the film ends. Mm-hmm. And it is just delightful. It is. It has such a like a happy little ending. Creatures, kind d- of. evil creatures melted. Right. The evil creatures are gone. Like yeah. the, you know, and it's not like, right. It's not like, you know, it, it is a little bit like the ending of E.T. where like E.T. gets to go home. Right. Like obviously Elliot can't keep E.T. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously Billy can't keep the Mogwai. Right. Like not after all this has happened. But mm-hmm. like E.T. doesn't. E.T. doesn't have to go to a government test site. Like, nobody finds out what caused this. So, like, Gizmo gets to just go home with Mr. Wing and he doesn't become, like, a, you know, test subject somewhere. At least, you know, not until the second one. Right. Right. So that is it for the Gremlins. We hope you enjoyed this stroll down nostalgia lane with us. Um, We are actually going to take a couple of weeks off because uh, it is Christmas and it is crazy and i'm leaving the country for two weeks so <laughs> it'd be a little difficult to record <laughs> is it? it is i mean we could we could probably make it work but like it's gonna be a five hour difference in time zones because time zones are a thing and it's always midnight somewhere um <laughs> so like given that it would be you know when he got home from work it would be like you know midnight where i am be fine probably be fine so yeah you and that's we exactly what return, you want to do is is record on your vacation right Not right yeah 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, right, like just editing a editing an episode on on Christmas Eve. Yeah, um, totally. Fair. Probably not not the best, not no. the best, not the best plan. Mm-mm. Um, but we will be back. We will be back on New Year's Eve with mm-hmm. Terror Train. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm very excited about because I've never seen it. I have not is, either remarkable because like i thought i had seen everything that jamie lee curtis had ever been in <laughs> i've never even heard but, of it which is yeah i had heard of it yeah, yeah i like but i didn't know it was about new year's eve like i didn't know mm-hmm. it, there was a new year's eve party involved so right so yes we will be back on new year's eve with terror train mm-hmm. one of the movies that cemented jamie lee curtis's reputation as the scream queen yeah, yeah. in the early 80s along with you know the fog and prom night and like all of the all mm-hmm. of the horror movies that she made in like rapid succession <laughs> right in those years so until then uh feel free to like and subscribe to us on apple podcasts uh we have our monthly youtube videos uh which you can find you can find us by searching for friday night frights podcast uh follow us on spotify we have our instagram f and frights podcast our Twitter, F and Frights Pod. We have our Facebook page where you can find us at Friday Night Frights. Our website, FNFrightsPodcast.com. And then, of course, you can scream at us at scream at FNFrightsPodcast.com if you have anything that you want to say to us, any corrections. I mean, if you literally want to scream at us, that's fine. Let's do it. Let's go through it. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. If I got an email in that email account that was just somebody like going like, ah, I would that would make me happier than anything like yes. that's I that would make my day if somebody literally just screamed at us same the email <laughs> thoroughly the same <laughs> um and then of course we do have our patreon our fright club and Katie yes Sean. what is the first rule of fright club the first rule of fright club is give clear instructions mm-hmm. like follow mm-hmm. instructions that's very important as well. Mm-hmm. But if you are the giver of the instructions, mm-hmm. and I understand that it was a child, right? So we'll cut him some slack. Mm-hmm. But especially when the consequences are dire, mm-hmm. don't just like give an order. Give the reasoning for the order. Mm-hmm. People would be much more careful about the not feeding after midnight rule if they knew that they turned into like murderous monsters as opposed to they just got a tummy ache. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Exactly. You need to know the severity of the consequences <laughs> in order to, you know, properly, properly prioritize your, your like rule following. Yes. Yeah. This isn't Ikea. You need to have your rules make sense. <laughs> People aren't going to just figure it out. <laughs> right. like... it's, it's not how this works. It's a creature. <laughs> not a bookshelf. Living thing. <laughs> right. So gays and ghouls, join us next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. But until then, sleep tight.